Hey, Life Group Leaders, welcome to the Life Group Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Roy, and this week we'll be looking at the study guide for Fierce Faith Week 3. I hope you've been enjoying the series so far. I know I have, um, and I hope you had a great time with Service for Service last week. It was a great way to live out what we were studying in James chapter 2, which talks about the idea of uh, faith without works being a dead faith, but we put into practice the faith that we have in Jesus Christ by doing those projects that we did for service for service. So I hope you had a great time with that. This week, we're looking at James chapter 3, and in James chapter 3, there are two sections. Um, the first is uh, has the heading of controlling the tongue. So James talks to the idea of controlling the tongue. And in the second section, James talks about true wisdom that comes from God. So we're going to start with controlling the tongue. Um, the study guide this week, just like all other weeks, we have the icebreaker question, we have the sermon reflection questions, um, and then we have the uh, chapter 3 of, of James broken down into two sections. The first is James 3 verses 1 to 12, and the, section, the second section is James 3 verses 13 to 18. So let's start with James 3, verses 1 to 12. Um, I'm going to try to make this podcast a little bit shorter. I think they've been a little bit too long the last couple of weeks, and I want to try to keep them to a shorter length. So I'm not going to cover every single question in the in the study guide. I'm going to just touch on some, some things that I think are important. So for the first section, we have uh, read James chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. And in these verses, James is basically telling us that we that many of us should not, not many of us, I should say, should become teachers because those who are teachers, those who teach, will be judged more strictly than others will. So what we're looking for you to do here is to compare this verse to what we see Jesus saying in Matthew 12, 36 and Matthew 18, chapter 6. And it's basically the idea that um, if we do something that will cause another to stumble, that will um, cause somebody who's relying on the information we're giving them to stumble, we're going to be um, judged more strictly than other people. So that particularly speaks to teachers. As teachers, we are called to teach God's Word to other people, to, to teach people about the ways of Jesus Christ. And if we're not teaching that correctly, if we're using false doctrine or, or we're taking things out of context, then we're going to be judged more harshly than, than another person is um, who doesn't know any better. We should know better as teachers. Um, and so these verses really speak to that, that whole idea. So the question is, why does James single out teachers here? And I think the reason is that teachers have a greater responsibility. Teachers are required to teach what's right. Um, and, and this goes against the idea of being a false teacher. And why will teachers be judged more strictly? I think the obvious reason is that um, if we are teaching the wrong things, then we are causing others 
to stumble. We are causing others to be led astray, and that's going to be uh, judged on us, not necessarily on those people. So then the the section ends with a question that says, based on what James writes in verse 2, what do you think are the criteria for a perfect, a whole, or complete person? And when you look at James uh, 3.2, James says, uh, indeed, we all may make many mistakes. So none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. But then he says, for if we con could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So if we were able to control our tongues, that's the thing that will make us perfect because it's our tongues that get us into trouble sometimes. Um, it's our tongues that cause us to uh, say the wrong things. So if we can control our tongues, we would be perfect. And then we could also control ourselves in every other way. So we control, could control, have, have better self-control, which is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so uh, the next section is read James 3, 3 to 5, and then reflect on the analogies that James uses in verses 3 to 4. He talks about the rudder um, on a ship and the, the bit in the mouth of a horse. And, you know, think about why, why does James use these analogies to begin his teaching about the tongue? And, and I think that when you look at these verses, you see that he's trying to make a point that, you know, a, a bit in the mouth of a horse, you, you've got this animal that that weighs a couple of thousand pounds, probably. Um, and that horse has probably got a lot more strength than we do. But you can put this small bit in the mouth of a horse and you can control that horse. You can show it which way to go, when to stop, when to move ahead, just because it's got that bit in its mouth. And then you've got the rudder on a ship, and the rudder on a ship is a very small part of the ship, but it controls the direction of that ship. And so James is using these examples to show us how this small little thing can control something greater, and that's what's happening with the tongue. The tongue is a small part of our body, but it can control everything else about us. It can control um, our our thoughts and our and it can control um, what happens to us for eternity. Really, if we're if we're not controlling our tongue, if we're teaching false things, as as we've already learned, that, that we're going to be uh, more strictly um, judged on that. Um, so he's making the the point that that. It's a small thing that controls the horse. It's a small thing that controls the ship. Um, the tongue is a small thing, but sometimes we have a hard time controlling that. Then he said. Then the question says, um, wh "What does it make? What does it mean to make grand speeches or great boasts?" And I think there could be a lot of things that you could answer there. It means uh, maybe boasting about your accomplishments. It could be maybe um, trying to make yourself seem more important or better than you are. It's trying to lord yourself over other people. Um, so that's some just some thoughts there. And then considering verse 5, what does the way that we speak say, speak say about our relationship with God and with others? And if you read verse 5, it says, In the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. So when you think about that, 
that our our tongue, it, you know, it's this small thing. It makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set off a forest fire. So just these little things, they, just this tongue, this little part of our body can cause rifts in our relationships with God and with other people. That's just some of my thoughts there. Then we have read James chapter 3, verses 6 to 8. And as you reflect on what James says about the tongue in these verses, what is James trying to teach us about the power of the words that we use? And I, I think you'll find the answer to that question in the text. But, you know, think about that. You know, we can hurt people with the words that we use. We can destroy somebody's life with the words that we use. We can cause damage to our relationship with the words that we use. So there are so many things that we can do um, with the words that we use. And I think that's what James is trying to teach us. And he uses hyperbole, which is intentionally exaggeration in describing the tongue and its power to do harm. So the next question is, you know, thinking about that, we know what harm the tongue can do, but what would happen if we could learn to use our words entirely for good? If the tongue can do so much harm, imagine what it could do if it was used entirely for good. So th think about that as a group, process that, and, and share some thoughts on what it might do, what might happen, I should say. Then uh, we have James 3, verses 9 to 12. Read those verses. And it says now, that James now turns to the idea of blessing and cursing coming from the same mouth. Um, why are these things incongruous? How can the same mouth speak blessings and give praise to God, but yet curse people. How can that be? It doesn't seem to make sense. So why is that? Talk about that as a group. And then we're asking you to read Genesis verses 1, 26 to 27. Because in, in, when you look at those verses, it gives you an idea. You know, obviously, you know, you've read these verses before, but the idea that man is made in the image of God. So, in James 3, 9, uh, James uses the terminology of the likeness or the image of God, which reflects those verses in Genesis. So look at those two, look at James and then look at Genesis. So why would James use that terminology? Why would he use the idea of the likeness? And in what ways might we praise God but curse others? So why would James use that? And, and I think the obvious reason is that we're made in the image of God, and when we are using our tongue to praise him but curse other people, we're dishonoring that image. We're dishonoring God. We're being disobedient to him, and we're not showing ourselves to be the image of God. So to the world around us, are we projecting the image of God? We're not. We're projecting the image of the world, of, of evil. And then the last question, in what ways might we praise God but curse others? Talk about maybe some uh, times when maybe you've done it yourself or, or you've heard it done. 
Then the final question on this section is reflect on the entire uh, passage, James 3, verses 1 to 12, and then in your own words, summarize what James is telling us in those verses. So we move on to the next section, and it's true wisdom comes from God. It's from James 3, verses 13 to 18. And this is really the passage that uh, Pastor Chris is focusing his sermon on on Sunday, this, the idea of true wisdom coming from God. Um, so for the study guide, we're asking you to read James 3, 13 to 18. And based on verse 13, how do we know that a person is wise? Well, the answer, this, this is a question where the answer is pretty obvious. We prove that we're wise by living an honorable life, by doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And, and it's interesting to see that, you know, James is kind of building on the idea of uh, true wor of good works that he talked about in the previous chapter. Um, and, and that's something we see in James, where he presented some ideas in chapter one, and then he starts to build on those ideas in the remaining chapters. So um, that's what we need to do there to, to show that we're wise. Then it, the next set of questions says to read Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15, 32, and Proverbs 6, uh, 2, Proverbs 16, verse 7. And um, then consider how James 3, 13 to 18, reflects the thoughts that are presented in those verses from Proverbs. Um, and then looking at both passages, explain the connection between wisdom and humility. Um, I, I think that um, this is a good opportunity to, to see how scripture, like, like when you take a, a piece of scripture and compare it to another, you can see similarities. And, and you know, so there's all these similarities woven into God's word. Um, that's why it's important not to just look at one, one verse in particular and, and try to, to interpret that verse without looking at um, the rest of God's word to see what God is saying and, and how it all ties in. So take some time to um, look at those verses and then talk about um, the connection between wisdom and humility. The next set of questions says, reflect on James 3, verses 14 to 18, and what do verses 14 to 16 tell us about earthly wisdom? And you can see a whole list of things there. Um, it tells us that um, there's... Um, you know, bitter, jeal bitter, bitter jealousy, and there's selfish ambition, and um, these are these are things that are not God's kind of wisdom. They're from the the, the world. They're earthly wisdom. They're earthly. They're unspiritual and demonic, as, as James says. And then he says in verse 16 that forever, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So. Um, Earthly wisdom is very different from godly wisdom, and it, it's more, there's an evilness, there's a selfishness to earthly wisdom. And then the next question is, what is the result of earthly wisdom? And we can see that 
in um, verse 16 is that you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. So when earthly wisdom prevails, things aren't going to be in, in God's order. Things are going to be in disorder and, and evil will prevail in earthly wisdom. Then the next question says, what do verses 17 to 18 tell us about the wisdom from above, which would be godly wisdom? And, and in 17, uh, James says that it's, first of all, it's pure. And it's willing to yield to others. It's peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. He says that it's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So you see a couple of themes there that James is building on, the idea of favoritism. So he talked about not displaying favoritism in chapter 2. And now here he's showing that wisdom doesn't show favoritism. So if we're showing favoritism, then are we being wise? wise. No. Um, he talked about how in, in chapter two, how if we don't show mercy, we won't be shown mercy ourselves. So wisdom is full of mercy. So if you're wise, you're full of mercy. And he also mentions good deeds here. <clears throat> so wisdom, um, the there's um, it's the fruit of good deeds. So we learned in chapter two that faith without works is a dead faith. So for a faith to be true faith, there has to be good works. It ha that has to be the, the outcome of our faith. But now James is also adding on to that and saying that wisdom is the fruit of good deeds. So faith produces works, but works also produce wisdom. So James is, is still building on that whole idea. So then we go to um, the um, next question, which says, um, read James 1, verses 5 to 8. So how do we receive the true wisdom that comes from God? And it says, by asking God in faith. We have to ask him in faith. We can't be double-minded that we learned in, in um, week one. But go back and look at those verses, James 1, 5 to 8, and look at how we receive the true wisdom that comes from God. We're learning about that wisdom in more detail now, but how do we receive it? And how does this connect with James 13, 3, 13 to 18? So where do you see the tie in there? And then finally, the last question in the study guide is reflect on James 3, verses 13 to 18, and talk about what your biggest takeaways were from these verses. So that's this week's study guide, um, and that's the end of this week's podcast, and a little bit shorter than the last couple of weeks. I'm going to try to keep these as short as I can, um, but we'll see what happens. I hope you have a great time in your groups this week. I hope you enjoy studying James chapter 3. Uh, also, I wanted to mention we our uh, resource for this week is from the Life Application New Testament Commentary, and it's the chapter on James 3. Um, so I hope you find that helpful as you go through the study. You'll find uh, some good insights in that commentary that can help you when, as you're answering these uh, questions in the study guide. 
And if, if they don't help you with the questions, it's just great information. So I hope you enjoy that as well. Have a great time in groups, and um, I look forward to, <clears throat> to um, speaking with you next week. Um, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word, Lord, that, that shows us what true wisdom is. And I pray that you'll give us all that, that wisdom, that wisdom that comes from above and not from, from the earth. I pray your blessings on these group leaders and on their groups. And I pray that as they study um, chapter three of James, that you'll speak to each and every person in the group in, in whatever way you want to speak to them. Show them the things you want them to know for themselves. I pray your blessings on their families. And I just pray that, that your Holy Spirit will be with them as they meet in their groups this week. Pray all of these things in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great time in groups, and I'll talk to you next week.